morning gorgeous how are you ladies doing this morning i hope you're all doing wonderful i'm your host dr michelle daff and you are listening to a feminine impression podcast today we are discussing sarah in the bible the wife of abraham as we discuss the book when women pray Each week, we read one chapter out of the book to hopefully help us to understand the power of our prayers as women. Each week, we focus on a different woman in the Bible, and today, we're discussing the story of Sarah, so we too can experience the power of God in our lives. So I want you to go ahead and sit back, relax, get something to drink, get something to write with, get your Bible, and let's talk about this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So we're going to go ahead and start. Today we're talking about Sarah in the Bible. For those of you who are new here, my name is Dr. Michelle Daff. The book we're reading is When Women Pray, and every week we focus on a different woman in the Bible. Today we are talking about Miss Sarah. If you do not have the book, you can always read these stories in the Bible because they're all there. And uh, we're going to go ahead and start with reading from the Bible. I want you to know that the Lord has so many promises for you. They're all laid out in the Bible. And it's important for you to not only read and know these promises, but to actually believe them. And today we're talking about having that faith and that hope in all the things that the Lord has said to you, his beautiful daughters. And on top of that, I want you to also know that Sarah is someone who is very relatable in the Bible. So her story is very interesting to read because we can all pull from her in terms of the things that she's experienced. I guarantee each and every one of us have gone through some of these feelings. I want to first start off by praying and just inviting the presence of the Holy Spirit and inviting the Lord to be with us During this time, hopefully there will be no distractions and you can sit here and watch in peace. So if you can just please agree with me in prayer and go to our Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being here with us today. We thank you for each and every one of your beautiful daughters. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you be with us as we spend this time learning about your daughter, Sarah, and learning how we are also your daughters, your princesses, and that you are here for us. We bind every distracting spirit, and we ask that we have your peace throughout this time, that the Holy Spirit ministers to us throughout this time, that your holy angels be with us in our presence as we lean on your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles, if you could please turn to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, chapter 11. And I'm going to start from there. I'm going to be kind of scripture surfing. So if you can't quite follow along, don't worry about it. I really just want you to listen and take in the story. Okay, so just focus more on listening. Chapter 11, verse 31. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they set out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The Lord said to Abram, mind you, this is Abraham before God changed his name. His name was Abram. And before God changed Sarah's name to Sarah, it was Sarai. So the Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. 
I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all of his possessions that they had accumulated and the people he had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan. What I want you to know from reading this is that Abram was married to Sarai and the Lord blessed him with many possessions. So he's a very wealthy man. And then God asked him to leave the place that he was in because that place was just filled with a lot of people who were doing devious things. It was a pagan land and he wanted to take him somewhere better to the land that he had for him. So he asked him to be obedient and take his whole family, all of his stuff and move. And that's exactly what he did. We're going to skip over a lot of the story because there's a lot to their story. I really want to focus on the part about Sarah and her promises from God. But I will say that as they traveled, they went to Egypt and Abram had Sarai lie and tell the, the Pharaoh that he was her sister and not his wife. And so that became a whole thing. The Pharaoh took her as his wife, but then God looking out for Sarai gave the Pharaoh a really like terrible nightmare and told him like, you better not touch her. So he sent them off, but gave them a bunch of stuff like slaves and riches and all of these cattle. But God was looking out for Sarai in that time and didn't allow the Pharaoh to even touch her, even though she was in this really awkward situation where her own husband was asking her to lies and she ended up being someone else's woman. The point is that God was looking after her no matter what, and Abraham became even more rich because he got the riches of the Pharaoh. Now, during that time, again, she did acquire a slave named Hagar, and I don't know if it was a gift that the Pharaoh gave her or if they just somehow were able to bring her on when they were in Egypt, but she was Egyptian. I'm going to start from chapter 15. After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, so after all this had happened. They went to Egypt. The Pharaoh said, get out of here. Like you're causing me problems. Take your wife with you and leave. Okay. So the Lord then appeared to Abram in a vision. And I love what he says here. He said, do not be afraid, Abram. This is God talking. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. And this is a promise that I love and I actually wrote down and instead of Abram's name, I put my own name because it helps me when I'm in a situation where I'm fearful, reminding myself that God is my shield, you know, and he is going to reward me one day for whatever it is that I'm doing that I'm afraid to do. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abram continued, look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him. This one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars. If you are able to count them, then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. Abram believed God and he credited it to him as righteousness. So that's a really important uh, line right there. Abram believed the thing that God had told him. And because he believed, the Lord 
credited him as someone who was righteous. So the Lord kind of like gave him points for believing him based off of what he said. He said to him, I am Yahweh who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give this land for you to possess. Abram's wife, Sarai, had not had any children. So mind you, God said, I'm going to give you numerous offspring and they're going to come from your body. But he's married and his wife has not had any children. But she owned an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Sarai said to Abram, since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, go to my slave. Perhaps through her, I can build a family. And Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So Abram's wife, Sarai, took Hagar, her Egyptian slave, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as a wife for him. Okay, so think about what's happening here. She's like, I'm not having children, but she's younger. Maybe she can have children through you and, and that'll be like our child. And Abram agreed to this. This happened after Abram had lived in the land of Canaan for 10 years. He slept with Hagar and she became pregnant. When she realized that she was pregnant, she treated her mistress with contempt. Once she was able to get pregnant by Abram, she started maybe having an attitude or being rude or mean. It doesn't say, but she was treating Sarai really bad, like kind of maybe even elevating herself because she was the one who had children. Doesn't this kind of remind you of Hannah's story that we talked about a few weeks ago? This whole like haughtiness because she's the one who was able to bear the children. This whole issue became a very big problem in the household and a lot of things happened because of that and i'm sure there was a lot of jealousy and that sort of thing then i'm moving on to chapter 17 god said to abraham as for your wife sarai do not call her sarai for sarah will be her name i will bless her indeed i will give you a son by her i will bless her and she will produce nations kings of people will come from her abraham fell face down then he laughed and said to himself can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? Can Sarah, a 90-year-old woman, give birth? So Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael were acceptable to you. So he had this son already, and, he, and God is saying, no, I told you that I was going to give you a son with Sarah. And so, <laughs> no, he's not acceptable to me. And he's like, well, look, I'm so old. How is this even possible? What's wrong with Ishmael? But God said, no, your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son and you will name him Isaac. I will confirm my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his future offspring. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will certainly bless him. I will make him fruitful and will multiply him greatly. He will father 12 tribal leaders and I will make him into a great nation. But I will confirm my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you at this time next year. So. He has this conversation with Abram and moving right along and another encounter with God. Uh, <laughs> Abraham has three visitors that come over and one of them is the angel of the Lord. There were angels and he didn't realize that they were angels, but he ended up, of course, realizing it was a message from God. He asks, where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him, the angels asked him. And he said, in the tent. And the Lord said, I will certainly come back to you in a year's time and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent behind him. Abraham and Sarah were old and getting on in years. Sarah had passed the age of, of childbearing. Mind you, she was like 90. So she laughed to herself. She didn't necessarily laugh out loud. She laughed to herself. After I've become shriveled up and my Lord is old, will I have delight? Like, 
really at this age you're finally gonna give me the thing that i've been asking you for but the lord asked abraham and i did think it was interesting that the lord asked abraham <laughs> the lord asked abraham why did sarah laugh saying can i really have a baby when i'm old is anything impossible for the lord at the appointed time i will come back to you in about a year and she will have a son sarah denied it i did not laugh she said because she was afraid but he replied no you did laugh and i actually laughed when i read this in the bible because i thought it was funny that she was lying about laughing when obviously he knew and i just thought it was funny that he called her out on it like he could have let it go but he's like no you you laughed you you definitely laughed okay so going back to the story this is something that we're going to be talking about today in terms of believing god when he gives you a promise when he tells you something that he's going to do you actually believing him and not laughing and not thinking it's ridiculous and realizing there's nothing too hard for the lord is there anything that's impossible to the lord that's what i'm asking you now ladies before we continue i want to share my fragrance line with you fine forever fine forever is a blessed luxury fragrance line that promotes the promises of god each fragrance is tied to a biblical scripture to remind you that with god you will be fine forever our debut fragrance is called 2911 after the scripture jeremiah 2911 which talks about the unique plans that god has for your life this fragrance is rich mysterious sensual and feminine it will surely turn heads and become a signature fragrance for you as a listener you will receive 10 percent off of your purchase by typing in the code feminine Visit the website www.fineforever.com and purchase 2911 today. What in your life has God promised you? Think about that in your spirit, the things that are in your heart. We know certain things in our spirit, right? We can't explain it. But there's certain things about our life that we just know are going to happen. Like we just know we're going to maybe have a certain job, live in a certain place, get married one day, have kids. Like we just know. But then there's some other things that we want, but we don't have that same confidence about. We don't we don't know. We're hopeful, but we're not sure. And we don't want to get our hopes up because what if we're wrong? And I want you to think about these things that God has put in our spirits and allowed us to believe are going to come to pass for us. You know, sometimes we have a lack of faith in things. Like, so we maybe think it could happen, but when things don't seem like they're happening, we lose that faith. And I kind of want to talk about what it means to have faith, because we hear this word all the time in the Christian world, have faith, have faith. You know, Christianity is all about faith. And if you love Jesus, you'll have faith. But what does faith actually mean? I want you to think about that. According to the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Or you can say it like faith is confidence in what we hope for. 
an assurance about what we do not see. The key here is that we have confidence in something that we hope for. We have confidence and we have assurance when we do not see it. The whole point is that you don't see it. You don't have faith in something that you see because you see it's there. It's like you, you know that it's there. But when you don't see it, that's when faith can come to life. When you can't imagine it, it's not happening. It's actually going the opposite direction. That's when faith comes in. So for example, let's say you want a certain job and you've put in all these applications. You've been wanting this job for so many years and no one's calling you back. That is something that you do not see. You do not see yourself having that job because you're not getting any calls back. It's been five years. Nothing has changed. Or let's say you want your husband to treat you better, or you want your husband to become saved, to become a Christian, and you've been praying for this man, you don't like his lifestyle, you see that he's actually getting worse, he's drinking more, he's going out with his friends more, he doesn't ever pray, and you're just like, I've been praying for years for this man, and nothing is happening. Is it ever going to change? Is he ever going to be different? And so you are having confidence. And the confidence is not in yourself. It's not about the fact that maybe you're not as attractive or maybe you need to do something this way or you need to get this degree. The confidence is in God, that God is going to make the situation happen. Whatever it is, whatever has to happen, he will work it out for you. And the Lord requires this of you. That's the thing about faith. It's not something where you get this, I mean, you have a choice. But you don't get the luxury of just not having faith and things just happening for you. Yes, he will give you grace and he will give you things that you maybe didn't expect. But it's not a lifestyle you can live as a Christian to constantly be faithless. Because that actually goes the opposite. You end up doubting, you end up sabotaging, you end up even causing worse things to happen because your mind is all in the negative. The Lord actually says that he wants you to have faith, and that's the only way to please him. The Lord says that he wants you to hold on to the confession of your faith. If you said that you believe this thing is going to happen for you, he wants you to hold on to that and not to let it go even when you don't see it. So I want to read from our book on page 44. Hebrews 11 is filled with the heroes of our faith, including Sarah. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. She considered the Lord faithful. I would submit that it is impossible to demonstrate faith in God without knowing God. It is impossible to know God without communicating with God. And it is impossible to communicate with God without prayer. Therefore, I can state clearly and confidently that Sarah was a woman of prayer. There's another reason I have included Sarah in in these pages. I want you to understand that God is not bound by our ability to verbalize what we need or what we desire. By that, I mean God is not restricted by our recitations. God is not limited by our larynxes. And God is not vexed without our voices. In short, God's ability to act is not dependent on our ability to pray. Yes, in many circumstances, God prefers to wait for his people to pray before he unleashes his power in their lives. 
In many circumstances, perhaps even in most circumstances, God desires us to kneel before him and pour ourselves out to him in the spiritual form of communication that we typically think of when we think of prayer, but not in every circumstance. Sometimes God hears a secret whisper of our hearts, even when those whispers never escape our lips. Remember that God is omniscient. He knows all things up to and including the thoughts in our minds and the longings in our hearts. And there are times that God chooses to act based on those thoughts or longings without any official request from us. This is powerful because it reminds us that, yes, God does want you to pray. He expects you to pray. He has taught you to pray. But in situations where you do not pray or you cannot pray, he still knows what's in your heart. He still loves you. He still prays for you. And he still answers those requests. The Holy Spirit, who is God, right? We have God the Father, who is in heaven. We have God the Son who is Jesus Christ, and we have God the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God, who is a person, who is God, who lives inside of every single believer. He is God, and he is inside of you, and he also prays for you when you cannot pray for yourself. There are some situations that do make it hard for us to pray for ourselves. For example, when something hurts so much and we can't even get it out. That's how much it hurts. It, it hurts too much to even say. So it impacts our prayer life because we're avoiding this very hurtful topic and we're not asking God for any help in it. It's just too hard to talk about. And sometimes our, heart, our prayers are hard to pray because we're in physical pain. So if you're ill or if you're in the hospital, or, you know, sometimes physical pain can be so debilitating that it's hard to think. It's hard to get words out. It's hard to move. And we are so focused on the pain that we don't pray. There are times where we don't pray because we don't know what to pray. Maybe you feel like you've prayed everything and you're, you keep saying the same thing over and over all the time and nothing is changing. You feel like this prayer isn't even working. Let me just stop. Or a situation is at hand, but you don't know which way to pray for. Should I pray to allow it to happen? Should I pray to stop it from happening? Should I pray for this thing that I want? I don't know. And that can be tough. You may not know how to pray for a situation. You may just want to say, Lord, let, let your will be done, whatever you want. But you're just not sure. So these are all situations where we sometimes are confused and overwhelmed. And we just don't pray about things. You know, sometimes we can start to feel bad for ourselves and just be down on ourselves and kind of have this poor me attitude where there are multiple things going wrong for you and you feel overwhelmed and you feel like, I'm just not going to pray. Like, I'm, I'm upset. I, I can't. I can't. And these are the times where God is looking at your heart. He understands. He loves you and he wants to help you. And he knows what's going on with you. He knows what your will would be. And he will still answer those prayers. And that's really comforting to know. You don't have to always release it with your tongue. Aren't you grateful that God knows you better than you know yourself? Aren't you grateful that God's spirit living inside you understands what you need, even when you are unable to articulate that need in a way that makes sense? 
When you fooled yourself into believing you were in a healthy relationship with someone who genuinely cared about you, aren't you grateful that God could see the secret pain inside your heart? Aren't you grateful he chose to save you from a lifetime of loneliness when you were desperate for companionship and ready to settle, even though you didn't know enough to ask him for that? When you are resigned yourself to a mundane job, working the same schedule, pushing the same buttons every week, week after week, month after month, year after year, aren't you grateful that God heard your secret cry for significance? Aren't you grateful that God knew that promotion was perfect for you and chose to bring it to you even when you didn't ask him to make it happen? When your spiritual life flagged and you lost all motivation to pursue a deeper connection and a deeper sense of intimacy with God, aren't you glad God saw you, saw that you were drowning and stepped in to save you? Aren't you glad his spirit swelled up inside you to convict you of your wrongdoing and your need to repent? even though you were too wrapped up in yourself to pray? I am grateful God hears the secret whispers, the secret longings in our lives. I'm grateful His Spirit maintains and monitors the deepest levels of our hearts. And I'm grateful He offers what we never knew we needed, just as He did for Sarah. Those are some things to just kind of think about because the Lord has done something for every one of us. It's not that he only gives certain people certain things. He has done something for you. And there's something for you to look back on and say, you know what? I am thankful for that. Thank you, Lord. Each of us receives specific promises from God that are unique to us as individuals. These are promises spoken directly into our spirits truths that we hear and incorporate into our lives without really understanding how or why they arrived. They are God-given guarantees of what he will accomplish if we choose to believe them and choose to respond in faith. This actually is something that I've experienced multiple times in my life, and I want to know if this has happened to you, where there's something you just knew, like you couldn't explain it, you don't know where it came from, but you just knew in your spirit, and you went ahead and, and went with it. And let me know how that went. I want to know in the comments. I know this happened with me a couple of times in my life, not very often, but about maybe two or three times. And one of those times was linked directly to my husband, where I had just come out of a really terrible relationship and I told myself the next man I date will be my husband I don't know who he is I'm just I'm putting it out there he's gonna be my husband that's I'm done and a few months later maybe like six or seven months later I knew that there was this conference happening and I wanted to go because I felt like I was gonna meet my husband there I cannot tell you why <laughs> there was nothing there was no proof there was no reason I just had a feeling deep in my spirit that my husband was going to be there. So I ended up asking my cousin if I could tag along. It was not my church. It was a church conference. It was not my church. It was not in California. And I traveled across the country to go to the conference, which I can barely remember the conference because I was just honestly uninterested. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't there for the conference. I did not meet him there. But after the conference, I ended up seeing some like photos of pictures from the conference and I saw a picture of him 
and I ended up liking the picture and I knew in my spirit I knew that if I liked his picture and he was single that he was going to message me I just knew I couldn't tell you why I just had that much confidence and so I liked the picture and about 10 minutes later he sent me a message and that's how we ended up getting to know one another and then he told me that he had a job offer because he lived across the country where the conference was. I lived in California. So either way, it was like, you live so far away. But he told me he was moving to California the next month for a job. And that's how we ended up starting our dating relationship. I did not know all these things were going to happen. I just had something deep in my spirit that told me that my husband was going to be there, period. And I went with it. I didn't question it. Even though it didn't seem likely because when I went, I didn't actually meet anyone. <laughs> it happened after the fact, but he was, it was a result of me going to that conference. So these things do happen and you kind of just rock with them. You just go with it and you don't question it too much. If it doesn't seem like it's coming, like you thought for sure, for sure. And then it's like, oh no, I guess not. Doesn't necessarily mean that. It could just mean it's going to happen later or in a different way. For example, do you know that there are dozens of times in the Bible where God promises strength to those who need it? Isaiah 40 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. What do you make of God's promise to give you wisdom when you ask for it? If you want wisdom, then you can look at James 1.5, where he says that if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. So these are all different promises that God has, and some of them are in the book for you. But I want to know, how do you handle these promises? What happens inside of you when you read these things? Too often, we respond to God's promises with cynicism, with unbelief. We don't think it's for us. We're like, oh yeah, he wrote it in the Bible, but what does that have to do with me? It doesn't feel like it was for us. When it comes to these promises, you have to remember that these promises are coming from the Lord and he sticks to his promises. Even when you feel like he's not sticking to his promises, you can bring these scriptures back up to him and say, but Lord, you said this and he will honor his word. And this has happened in the Bible. If you read stories of like Moses, when he wanted to get rid of those Israelites, he was fed up and Moses came to him and said, but God, you said that you were going to do this, this, and that. So I don't think you should kill him because if you do, then it seems like you're not really honoring your word. And then God ended up saying, okay, you know what? You're right. I'm not going to do it then, right? <laughs> Sometimes you do have to stand on those promises and know that he will fulfill them, but you need to also know them so that you can pray them back to him. He wants you to do that. And I never want you as a person to lose hope in anything. When God promises you something and you know it in your spirit, it is easy to lose hope. It is easy to say, forget about it. It can be anything. It can be an addiction that you have. Maybe you have a smoking addiction, drinking addiction, gossiping addiction or problem. And you've been trying hard to change. You legitimately have been trying, but for some reason, it's not changing. You're still falling into these habits and you get angry at yourself because you genuinely do want to stop. You may lose hope and say, you know what? <sighs> Forget it. Like I've tried to quit how many times? Clearly it's not working. So I'm just going to continue. Or you may want to, you know, get angry with someone about something and the Lord is saying, this time don't. I'm going to work the situation out for you. Maybe it's an issue with your mother or your daughter and 
this is something that's kind of been brewing inside of you, could be even your, your husband, and you want to attack it in a certain way, you're ready for it, it's important for you to pray and ask God for his wisdom and his timing and his guidance and wait and just know that he is not going to let you down. He will tell you if you should say it, when you should say it, how you should say it. And if you decide, you know what, I'm just going to say it, I'm just going to do it, then that's what causes problems. That's what allows us to then go outside of God's will, make our own decisions about things, and then we end up with disasters, which is what happened with Sarah. You know, she wasn't seeing anything happening, and she knew that God said this. She may have believed it, but her hope went downhill as she started getting older. And so she was like, you know what, forget it, then I'm just going to go ahead and do it this way. I'm going to have my husband sleep with my, my maid, and we'll just let that promise or that wish that dream die out and that was a disaster her doing that caused a lot of issues to this day in the christian faith from that decision that she made it makes a mess out of things and so we don't want to do that we don't ever want to settle it says in the book sometimes we think that maybe god does things for other people but not for us you may want to get married and you're thinking Everyone else is getting married. Maybe it's just he doesn't like me or I'm just not the type. I'm not the one. But I really want to have kids. I really want to have kids, but I'm not married. So you know what? I'm just going to have a baby with this guy from high school that I know him. He knows me. We're friends. He's not going anywhere. Let me just have a baby with him or whoever, anyone. And the Lord said, but I promised you a husband. But you're like, but I want a baby and I want a baby now. And yeah, the husband thing was cool, but I don't think that's for me. So can I just have a baby? Let me just go and get a baby from the sperm bank. And it's like, but did you even talk to me first? Maybe I would have allowed that for you. But did you even talk to me first? Why don't you believe what I told you? And that's where we end up finding ourselves because we don't believe what he told us. So we just make our own decisions. And a lot of times when we do that outside of his will, we end up with a disaster. I believe Sarah began her life with hope, with joy as well. In her youth, she cradled the hope against her chest the same way she had planned to cradle her child. As the years passed, that hope became heavy, harder to carry, harder to pin against her skin and hang on to. Then one sad and terrible day, she decided to let go. Did you know that hope can be aborted? Sarah did. And the pain of that loss was greater than anything she had experienced. She lost her hope and joy in the same moment. When she lost the hope that she wasn't going to have children, she also lost the joy that she had been holding on to her whole life. So it wasn't even a situation where she was saying like, okay, well, this is not working out for me. I'm happily doing this. No, that was a dream that was killed. She didn't feel good about it because it wasn't God's plan. And that's what happens when we do that. It's like a lose-lose. Fine, we do, our, we do it our own way. We go ahead and have that confrontation with our sister or with our husband, even though we didn't wait. And then we end up with a bigger fight or a divorce or not speaking for years. And it's now even worse than you expected. You got it out. You got what you had to say out of you. But look what it caused. Something worse. And this is something that happens often when we have something that's really big going on in our lives. Like maybe you may have an illness and you may think from what the doctors are saying 
every week is getting worse things are getting the tumors growing things are just getting worse and you're like why am i going to keep hoping for this maybe god wants me to be sick maybe he wants me to die so you know what i'm going to give in to this illness i'm choosing to just let it go and that is the saddest thing because for one you're living a lie that the enemies put thoughts into your heart and you've accepted them instead of accepting god's truth for your life and you end up putting things into your life that weren't supposed to be there causing you more pain i know how heavy it is especially with young people but with anyone when we talk about the spirit of suicide and those of us who have maybe been in situations where we have seriously considered ending our life because we cannot handle things anymore. We cannot see things getting better. We lose our hope. And that is the ultimate loss of hope. I want you to know that there is nothing in your life that God cannot and will not turn around for you. If he allowed it, if he signed off on it as his daughter, that means that whatever is going on, he is going to use it. For your benefit at some point in life it may be horrible horrible he didn't cause it but he's going to be there with you through it and you cannot ever give up that is what the devil wants he wants you to believe all of those lies so that you can ruin your life because all the devil wants is for you to be miserable and to kill yourself he definitely wants you to be dead one way or another even if it means being spiritually dead and not believing in God anymore. That cannot be you because you're his daughter and he will always come through for you. So please remember that hope is something very serious. Once it's lost, it can send you down into a very dark place. But God can and will get you out of that place. He will never, ever leave your side. So do not ever leave him. In the book, we talked about faith and we talked about promises and things of that nature. And we know that it says without faith, it is impossible to please God. But in the story of Sarah, when she lost that faith, she ended up laughing. She ended up getting to the point where it was laughable. It was funny to her that God was still giving her this promise, even though she was way past childbearing age. A woman at 90 having a baby is a miracle. <laughs> and we've never seen that kind of thing happen so it's like what are you talking about it's like you're you're asking god what are you talking about like you know this is impossible why are you still saying this it makes no sense she thought it was hilarious she thought it was funny like please right and we do that sometimes we may be 39 years old and we would have wanted a child a long time ago and we feel like god is telling us that we'll still have this child and we laugh like okay whatever if you say so but there's no belief in our heart and the question many readers may wonder is why why did she laugh and settle for sarcasm when the greatest desire of her life had been set before her on a silver platter just one year away god promised that she would once more feel the pleasure of her husband's touch 
God promised that she would feel the stirring in her womb, the kicks and rolls of a newly formed life. God promised her breasts would be filled with nourishment, even as her heart would be filled with joy. It was everything she had been wanting and wishing for decades. Why couldn't she believe it? Why couldn't she accept it? Perhaps a better question is, why can't we? I believe Sarah's laughter was a defense mechanism. It was her way of protecting a heart suffering from the loss of hope. I believe the same is true of us today when we're confronted with by promises that seem, for whatever reason, too far, too good to be true. Thankfully, there's a better way. Yes, God's promises often seem too good to be true. But that's because God alone is able to provide that which is too good to be true. He is sovereign over all things, which means he can accomplish what we never dreamed possible. Here's the principle. When you feel skeptical about a promise that seems too good to be true, your best hope is to pray. Seek God's will. If the promise is not from him, he will confirm that through his spirit inside of you. If the promise does come from God, it's up to you to embrace it and to watch what God can do when you respond to him in faith. And that's, that's the promise, is that you need to trust him and you need to pray and ask for him to confirm it to you. He will. He doesn't want you to go down the wrong path. He knows that the enemy also puts things in your head. So you ask him, is this really what you want for me? And he will always show you. That is the most beautiful thing. Whenever I hear people saying, well, you know what? I haven't prayed. <laughs> it happens a lot. We'll be having conversations with friends, family. We'll be talking about this really intense situation. And I'll say, well, have you prayed yet? And a lot of times it's like they didn't even think to. Like, actually, I haven't. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. And whenever they do, they always come back and say, I'm so happy we talked about that because I did pray and the Lord spoke to me. And people are always able to hear back from God when they pray if they are continuously praying and seeking for his answer. He's not going to just let you down. So these promises are made for everyone, every born again believer. If you believe in Jesus, if you have accepted him as your savior and said, that you want him to be your Lord, then you are saved. And the Lord is inside of you working for you every single moment. He never sleeps. You sleep, but God does not sleep. He's working even while you're asleep to make sure that your life goes the way that he planned it to go. There are some scriptures that I want to just lay on your heart. You can write it down. These are three scriptures that I think are important for you to remember. Whenever you're feeling like, Maybe God has forgotten about me. Maybe I don't have enough faith. You can pray these scriptures. One of them is Psalm 37, 7. And it says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. I love this psalm because the first word is all I need to feel better. Rest. Stop. Let it go. Just wait. Waiting is the most difficult thing, okay? Waiting is not fun. We don't want to wait ever for anything. But when you're resting, waiting doesn't feel as painful, right? If you're laying down, waiting for <laughs> waiting for a show to start, right? And instead of just waiting and looking at the clock, you rest. It'll happen like in five minutes. You'll feel like, wow, I just laid down. I just rested and 
it's already time for the show. And that's how it is in the show of your own life. If you're able to rest and not think about it and just continue with your business, things will show up and not feel so painfully long. And wait, wait patiently for him. So you're not waiting in anger. You're not waiting with malice in your heart and stubbornness. You're waiting patiently saying, Lord, as long as it takes, I know you're going to do it. So yes, I would have loved to have gotten married at 26, but here I am at 36 and it still hasn't happened. I am not going to rush you. I know you know what you're doing and you can do anything. So I will wait. That is the attitude that he wants you to have. The other scripture is one of my absolute favorite scriptures. This is the scripture that I used when I was in a place where I was feeling like God was just (laughs) taking a little too long. This is what I held on to and it helped me a lot. I even got married on this day date because I really love the scripture. It's what I held on to in terms of my marriage wants or wishes or dreams. And it says Hebrews 10 23, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And I love that because there's so much in that one sentence. Let us hold on meaning do not ever let go to the confession of our faith, to the fact that we said that this thing was going to happen for us and we we believed it. Hold on to that. Hold on to that belief without wavering. If someone tells you, you know what, you a little old. <laughs> if you really want to have kids and you need to go ahead and do that now, because I don't know, in a few years, you may not be able to. All that noise that people love telling you when you didn't ask them, it causes you to waver causes you to let go of that promise and say, you know what? No one around my age is having kids. They're all having problems. Clearly, I'm past the age. I'm high risk or whatever doctors will say. All of these words that aren't in the Bible. They aren't in the Bible. Okay. They may be technical scientific terms. It may be what happens to most people, but you are unique and special. And just because something happens to most people does not mean it's going to happen to you. When you hold on without wavering, it means no matter what people are telling you, no matter what the doctor, no matter what your mother, your friends, people at work, it doesn't matter what they're saying. Half the time you shouldn't even listen to them because they don't know. (laughs) They're just talking from their own personal problems, fears, and sometimes people just like to talk. They'll say anything because he who promised, which is God, is faithful. He is faithful to his word and faithful to you, and he will come through. And the third one is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and that's the one I've been talking about today. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you want to be on God's good side, if you want to please him, you can't do it if you don't have faith. He said it's impossible. Like there's no way around it. You can give me all the money in church and tithe. You can feed the homeless every day and adopt some children and do all these great deeds. But at the end of the day, if you do not have faith, I'm not pleased. I'm just not. And that's what he says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who diligently seek him. And he is a rewarder of all, all who seek him. And I want you to remember those three scriptures. And you can just meditate on them. You can pray on them this week and just ask God to show you the truth about these scriptures in your life. And he will. If 
you feel like there's anything in your life that is impossible, if there's something that's going on right now that you think has passed you by, is not meant for you because the Lord hasn't brought it yet, I want you to remember that in the scripture, he says, is anything impossible for the Lord? This is God talking about himself. Is anything too hard for me? Is anything impossible for me? Like, do you know who you're talking to right now? Do you know who you are talking about? Is anything impossible? Nothing is impossible. I want you to hold on to that. When I was younger, I used to love reading the Guinness Book of World Records. I used to go into bookstores and go straight to that section and look through the book every year because I enjoyed seeing all the interesting, miraculous, <laughs> strange things that were going on with people that are not common like the tallest man in the world the world's longest nails the world's longest hair the oldest woman to have a baby and i was always blown away like wow somewhere in this world someone has met this record and that's just the truth there is always going to be an exception to every rule because the lord has individual lives for each and every one of us where he has different plans different promises and he can do anything they're in that book because it is unusual, but it's not impossible. And I want you to remember that. I want us to go ahead and pray and thank God for this word that he gave us because it is a beautiful word. Thank God for Sarah who ended up having her son and the Lord blessed us through her son and she was faithful. She may not have shown that she prayed but again the lord heard the prayer of her heart and he honored that and i want us to remember that he hears the prayers in our hearts and he honors them and every single day i see this happening in my life where i see things that i have been stressed about praying about crying about even on the inside and god hears me because i believe he hears me and he's gonna do it he always comes through Go ahead and close your eyes, please. Let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful word that you gave us on your daughter, Sarah. We know, Lord Jesus, that Sarah means God's princess. And we know, Lord Jesus, that we are your princesses. We know that you love us and that you have plans that are laid out for us. Lord, we ask that you just allow this word to seep deep into our spirits for us to have hope in you to never waver and hold on to our confession. We pray that if we have anything in our hearts, Lord Jesus, that we haven't been able to pray to you, that you give us the strength and the courage to ask you. We ask that you give us the belief and increase our faith to be able to believe you for the things that we feel are impossible. Because you said in your word that nothing is impossible with you, that nothing is too hard for you. And we know, Lord Jesus, that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And we diligently seek you today. We seek your face. We seek your grace. We seek your forgiveness. And we ask that you show us that the impossible is possible when we have faith in you. We pray for every single one of us ladies who are struggling to have a child, who desire to have a child. We ask that you bless our wombs, that you heal all the things that are going on within our bodies that are causing this to happen, and that you show us your faithfulness. We pray for anyone, Lord Jesus, who is struggling with the spirit of suicide and feeling like we are hopeless. 
Give us a strength. Give us a faith. Give us someone to remind us, Lord Jesus, of your love and bring us back to you. We thank you for every single thing that you plan on doing for us today and doing for us this week. We thank you for being an awesome, mighty, and faithful God. We love you so much, and we thank you for your undeniable and never-ending love that you give to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. thank each and every one of you beautiful ladies for joining me today for this podcast. If you want to watch this on my YouTube channel, then head over to Dr. Michelle Daff on YouTube where you can watch this segment and you can also read the comments from all the ladies who are watching live. You can also join me every Sunday at 12 noon until we finish this book to discuss each chapter in the book. And I have a Q&A after our discussion if you have questions that you want answered. And if you want to share or fellowship, it's the perfect place to be. It's so beautiful when us women can get together and we can talk about the things that come up in our lives with other like-minded women. Remember to visit my website, findforever.com, and purchase my fragrance, 2911. This fragrance is a symbol of the promises of God. The promise in Jeremiah 2911, where he discusses the plans that he has for your life. Not only is it a beautiful reminder, but it smells absolutely amazing. And I want you to experience that. So head over to findforever.com and purchase my fragrance 2911. Also keep in mind that I do weekly giveaways on my Instagram page for the chapters in this book. So head over to my Instagram page and look for the title of this podcast so you can hopefully win something special from me. I love each and every one of you ladies and I hope that this blessed you. I hope that it's something that you can meditate on and pray about for your own lives. That's it for today. Remember, my loves, that in all things you do, make a feminine impression. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Bye-bye.